Praise the Lord. How many's got their Bible with them? <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. Looks like we got Phil and Penny in the service today. Nice to see you again. They were in our church over in Lutz when we were there for five minutes. But uh, praise God. <laughs> uh, it's nice to, ha- nice to have you today. Amen. And all of you that are joining us on the Internet, we're happy to have you as well. And get into the Word here and see what good things the Lord has for us today. Amen. God is a good God. And uh, we sing that song sometimes, Good, Good Father. I always say that's our identity. He's a good father, and we're loved by him. That's all we need to know. Amen? And uh, I, I, want, I want us to just, we're going to look at some comparison today between uh, trying, to, trying to live life in Christ with uh, um, the law or trying to earn our way or merit our way into the things and the blessings of God or receiving what Christ has finished by faith, amen, and just accept it that this is what he has done. So um, let's, let's open with one of our great foundational scriptures here uh, that's just been a hallmark of our ministry for so long now. Ephesians 2.8 um, tells us, Oh, by the way, so the name of this uh, message is No Condemnation. Amen. No Condemnation in Christ. If you're experiencing condemnation, I just want you to know it's not coming from God. He's not the one making you feel ashamed. He's not the one making you feel guilty. Uh, remembrances of uh, sins past, past failures, past mistakes. I don't know about you, every now and then the devil will just play a video for me of things that maybe I did wrong and said wrong and and had the wrong attitude and heart. He'll play a videotape of that about 3 o'clock in the morning. (laughs) And so you're halfway awake and halfway asleep. We really ought to get up out of bed at that point and just declare the word, amen, (laughs) to say I'm the righteousness of God in Christ, a new creature in him. You know, uh, old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Just to get that out of your head. But you'll sometimes just lay there and have, I don't know anybody else has experienced that, but I've had, uh, uh, you know, the, the devil is always wanting to make us feel ashamed and feel guilty and feel weak uh, so that um, we're not walking and living in what uh, God has for us, and who we now are. Now, this isn't just a mantra or something we just confess. In God's mind and God's eye, I believe from the Word that this is how He sees us. He sees us as right. He sees us as righteous. He sees us as complete in Him. And uh, He doesn't see us as messed up and repaired. He doesn't. We're not standing here with duct tape and bailing wire, and band-aids from head to toe. Yes, those are the wounds. It's amazing in church land how many people want to talk about 
the wounds of the past and the scars of the, the battles from days gone by have been compare battle scars. Well, what have you been through? Well, you know, whatever. And then they go through their litany of troubles and trials. And then you, you, you show, it's like army guys sitting around, you know, comparing, uh, you know, wounds and scars. And, uh, that might work for the army. But the, the thing is, is we need to be talking about uh, how we've been healed and how we've been touched and how we've been blessed and what Christ has done. Amen. And uh, if we're going to look at any scars, let's look at the scars on the hands and feet of Jesus and what that represents. Amen. Because he bore it all so that today we don't have to bear it. So, again, I just I, there was a song that had come up in my mind, an old, old song that we used to sing back in Pentecost, and that was, um, Glory, I'm saved, my sins are all pardoned, my guilt is all gone. And that was just rolling around in my spirit, uh, especially this morning uh, as I was getting ready and preparing to come today. I was just thinking about that. My sins are all pardoned, which means that it's as if they never happened. <laughs> and they, And so, therefore... If the, if the pardon is real, the guilt is gone. Amen. Um, so the, Jesus took my guilt even and took my shame so that I wouldn't have to bear it today. Amen. Amen. There's a lot of Christians that have a, an offense about the, the cross. They don't like crosses. And I, I, I understand historically wh- why that might be, but I will tell you this that I like an empty cross because it proves he came off of it. <laughs> and uh, he went to the tomb. The, the picture of the tomb doesn't bother me either because it's empty. Yeah. Amen. And so Jesus had to go to the cross, had to go to the tomb so that we could be set free today. Anyway, that's a lot of gospel preaching there, actually, is that the evangelist comes on me. But um, uh, it's good to remind ourselves of that. Because we can just start dragging ourselves around like thinking like the world. All right, so here we go. Ephesians 2.8. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourself. So it's not something you've come up with. Uh, it is the gift of God. Now, in and then verse 9. Not of works, lest any man... Should boast. How many? Anybody. So even the person that uh, represents to you the the most amazing scripture. Uh, I'm sorry, the most amazing Christian example of a Christian or Christian love or Christian faith that you know cannot boast that they're saved by their works, even though they might be beautiful works. They might be something that's a blessing to other people, and maybe their motives for those works are absolutely pure and correct it still has nothing to do with their righteousness. The righteousness comes from the finished work of Christ and that alone. We have to to get that straight. You know, the tenets of faith, uh, I know of two uh, Pentecostal denominations, the Assemblies of God, the Church of God, both in their tenets of faith say, uh, or the we believe statement uh, says, that a man, we believe, uh, Ramah's is the same, we believe that a man is saved apart and is made righteous 
apart from his works. Amen. So it's it's separated uh, at the point of righteousness. Amen. We're not righteous because, you know, you know, we're such nice people. <laughs> and I, I like to think that if we are nice people, that the work of the Holy Spirit has helped us to be nice. Because <laughs> naturally, we're kind of not nice. Naturally, we tend to be dog-eat-dog. But um, if you don't believe it, get on I-275 and you'll people will run over you. I'm telling you. You see how nice they can be. Um, but, uh, we, we know that, uh, we cannot, I, I'm thinking of the heavy burden that would be on us to try to earn our righteousness, to try to earn our place in God. It, it's just, uh, um, it's too big of a burden. It, it can't be done. And Paul even said that the law exists, was there, to remind us that, that every man's mouth, every man, again, everybody, not anybody's better than anybody else, everybody's mouth is shut because all it will do is condemn you. So the law does not have the power to save you. It does not have the power to take the place of the blood of Jesus. It's interesting that in today's thoughts of morality and spirituality, that there's a lot of thinking about, well, what program are you on? And, uh, what, you know, what religion are you following? But we have found, praise God, that it's not a what, it's a who. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> this is not a what, it's a who. Uh, so we've had people come to church sometimes and say, we want to join the church, what's the rules? <laughs> and I said, well, uh, we, you know, we believe in following the word and following the spirit and, 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 you know, at least uh, the important parts of your body covered with clothing. <laughs> Praise the Lord. We haven't started the clothing optional service yet. And, uh, I'd be afraid in Florida to do that because I think some people might take us up on it. Praise God. <laughs> All right, so anyway, we know that we're saved. I just wanted to lay that foundation stone there again. But we're uh, By his grace, we are saved through faith. Faith in what? Faith in that grace. Faith in that finished work. Faith in the name of Jesus. Faith in the blood of Jesus. Faith in what God has done. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So that just puts us all in the same position as far as standing before God. Amen? Now, if you would turn uh, over to Romans chapter 7. Now, I don't have time to read the entire chapter, even though I'm, I want to, but uh, we can't let the Baptists beat us to the cafeteria. That's, a, that's an actual, that's not just a joke, that's actually what, my dad got told when he was pastoring in Augusta uh, years ago, the, the church board came to him and said, now, Brother Horton, one thing what we have to have here, don't care what's happening, don't care how much God's moving, don't care who's getting healed or blessed, we have to be out at 12 on the dot. That's a deal breaker if you break it. I think one of the first things my dad did was have a service that went till 2 in the afternoon. Just to prove he wasn't going to be controlled by that. But they said, we have to be out at noon. 
Because if we don't, the Baptist. Now, when they said the Baptist, it was the Baptist church that was two doors down. They will beat us to the S&S cafeteria. And then we'll have to stand in the parking lot in line. And and that's not going to work. So first thing my dad did is hold an extended service. Praise the Lord. And I, and, and unfortunately that board was keeping score. I'm, they really absolutely were. <laughs> Praise God. One time my dad, you want to hear a funny story, but my mother's here. She's 92 and she's the blessing. <laughs> this is her last Sunday to be with us for this trip. She goes home tomorrow to Georgia. But, um, my dad, my dad was pretty spunky, you know, he, he, pastor these churches um, that the denomination gave him and he'd go in you go in and you don't know what you have there you know as far as how to work with people or whatever so you have to learn it about the time you have the learning curve the honeymoon's over and they want you to leave so uh and sometimes you're glad to leave praise the lord bye you know but uh my dad this was in Buford Georgia my dad had uh taken this church and uh, the pews and the church furniture was so old and beat up and ugly and awful that he said, we've got to raise an offering uh, or two and replace this church furniture because it's just an embarrassment. I mean, you know, it was just beat up and ugly. So they raised enough money, praise God, to replace all the pews. And it was a good sized church, you know, uh, 500 people it was a big, big church in those days. So they had to replace, they replaced all the pews, all the pulpit furniture and the, you know, the fern stands and the throne chairs and, uh, the, the communion table and everything all to match in the beautiful, you know, English oak and, uh, had it all set there. And of course they had the little communion cup holders. We don't have communion cup holders because this was a Lutheran church and they do it down front. But anyway, in the Church of God, they had them, you know, to serve like we do here and put the little holders. Well, anyway, uh, my dad started noticing some problems with the pews, like people were sticking their chewing gum in the pencil holders. And uh, they were carving in the back. Some of the young people were carving their initials in the back of the pews and uh, putting, you know, just doing all kinds of stuff to the church furniture that they had just bought brand new. And my dad got so angry about it that he got, he told the Sunday school superintendent, he said, we're gonna, we're gonna do a demonstration today of, and, and then the folks would leave their chewing gum, putting gum in the holder, throwing the trash on the floor, just, just not being respectful at all. So my dad got a double pack, two double packs of juicy fruit, chewing gum. And he went to the pulpit the normal time, you know, they'd sung a song and he's supposed to pray over the service. And before he said, before I pray, I have something I need to do. So he took out the double pack of juicy fruit. How many want to hear this story? Huh? Juicy fruit and he ate. It has nothing to do with our sermon. Nothing. I'm just entertaining you at this hour. And he took the juicy fruit and he ate and he and he took the wrappers and threw it all on the floor and ate this huge ball of chewing gum. And he got it pretty moist and going, took it out and stuck it up under the pulpit. (laughs) 
Well, then the Sunday school superintendent was, you know, already tipped off, and he did the same thing. So they had a double wad of gum stuck under the pulpit, and he said, that's what I'm looking at every Sunday I preach here. So they did straighten up a little bit after that. Then they ran him off, and that was it. All right, praise God. Don't tell us anything, you know. No, the the uh, the, the state overseer moved him, but praise the Lord. Thank God we don't have any uh, pencil holder gum packers here. <laughs> but it used to happen. All right, we at Romans 7 yet? It's in the Bible, in the New Testament. Praise God. We're going to begin reading um, down at verse 15. Um, yeah, verse 15. Now, Paul here, again, our banner verse today was Ephesians 2.8. And then Paul is giving a description of what trying to be moral, trying to please the Lord, trying to be righteous, by doing the works of the law. Now, again, um, we won't turn there, but in Romans 3.28, uh, Paul said that the works of the law or, or completion of the law has nothing to do with righteousness, which was really a bold statement. Yeah, I mean, it could have gotten you, like, turned over to the authorities. It was such a bold statement. But he... And then, and then again, remember, I'm just reminding you of some things. Remember in Philippians, uh, three, when Paul was giving the seven things that he was proud of because he said, if any man does have, is going to boast, I have more cause. And one of them was, he said that concerning the, the righteousness that's in doing the works of the law, I am blameless. Now think about that. Do you know what that means? That Mosaic law allowed for stoning of people. Because he was at the stoning of Stephen, endorsing it, holding the coats of those that were stoning Stephen, who was a great gospel, we say gospel preacher, but he was actually an example of a lay person, uh, full of, full of faith, full of the power of God, preaching the good news, and they stoned him, and they said that his face shone like an angel, and they saw his face shine like an angel, and continued to kill him. And so, under the Mosaic Law, that was allowable. So think about that, people who are in love with the law. Paul said that. He says, you that are so enamored with the law, have you ever read what's in it? That's what Paul said. He said, you don't even know what's in it. You don't know how, how uh, there's some dark sides to that that look very much like Sharia law, very much. It's the same kind of spirit, same kind of attitude. And so anyway, um, <laughs> glory to God, um, Paul there is, is, is telling us, he said, concerning the, the righteousness that's in the law, I am blameless, meaning... And he said, in fact, and then he talked about the whole list. He says, I count it all as dung. And uh, if you don't know what dung is, I'll just tell you, you don't want a lot of it on your shoe when you get in the car, okay? You look it up if you don't know the meaning of the word dung. In other words, he called it 
the worst name that we call something. Uh, now, sometimes people get called that by other people, and uh, they use another word for dung that's not repeatable. But, uh, you know, it's not, it's not very nice. And uh, it's the worst thing I think Paul could think of. It is the worst thing. And he, he said that. In the Spanish Bible, it says basura, which is um, trash. So, you know, it's all the same. Anyway, Paul said that he counted, think about that, the righteousness that's in the law, I counted as dung. Wow. That's really quite a bold statement, isn't it? In other words, it has no value to me whatsoever. Uh, I don't want that. I don't want that in my life. I'm going to get rid of that. So um, I'm saying that because he is giving a comparison when he's saying that I'm going to try to keep, I was trying to keep the law for the sake of being right with God, for the sake of being in God's favor. Uh, he knew He knew what he was talking about. He's not just referring to the law as some, you know, ethereal idea. This is a doctor of the law, a, a promoter, and a uh, enforcer of the law. Remember, when he had his Damascus Road experience, he was on the way to Damascus in Syria. He was on his way to arrest more Christians and have them sent off for torturing and for death. And so, and that was allowable under the law too. So you think about that. Here's a guy, when he's talking about the law, I think we can pay attention to him, Paul, because he knew what he was talking about. All right, praise God. Don't everybody shout at once and have a Pentecostal chicken dance. Come on, you. So he says here in verse 15, again, he's talking about a comparison which is most of his writings are a comparison of life under the law and life under grace. He said, For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. Now that's a lot of Old English coming at you there. Uh, let's put that up in the Amplified Classic, uh, that verse. For I do not understand my own actions. So see, here here we all are. I want you to all, all, everyone here, relate to this. For I do not understand my own actions. I am baffled, bewildered. I do not practice or accomplish what I wish. But I do the very thing that I loathe, which my moral instinct condemns. Now, this has to be, Paul, talking about life under the law, and trying to please God just with your own will and determination. Because this is also the man that said, I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. He's also the man that said, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Right? So there's no way that he's describing his current condition. He is trying to show what happens when you try to please God by law-keeping. All right. This, can you see that? He's not, it can't be. If that's life under Christ, how is it any different? See, do you see? So this, it's not life under Christ. This is life under flesh. Yes. And we love to, we love to try and make our flesh do the right thing. <laughs> and then we love to be applauded for it. 
and we love to take credit and merit for it. All right, now let's keep going. Let's go to the next verse. If Let's just keep it up there in the Amplified because it's, it's easier to understand. Now, if I do habitually what is contrary to my desire, that means that I acknowledge and agree that the law is good, morally excellent, and that I take sides with it. Let's keep reading. However, it is no longer I who do the deed, but the sin principle, which is at home in me and has possession of me. Again, this can't be talking about life under Christ, because we're we're not possessed by we're not possessed by the sin principle. We're possessed by the Holy Spirit. Amen. He lives in us. Y'all getting anything out of this? All right, let's keep going. For I know that nothing good dwells within me that is in my flesh. So again, he has identified. He's talking about life under the flesh, trying to please God through law-keeping as opposed to uh, life in Christ, knowing that Christ has made us righteous and holy and acceptable. Amen? That one song we were singing has that in the lines. It says, Lord, I need you. Uh, um, Holiness is Christ in me. That is holiness. Amen? Amen. are there are there actions in the flesh that are unholy and unrighteous? Absolutely there are. Uh, it's everything the Bible says that it is. But here we're taught, he says, I, nothing is in my flesh that's good. So why do we try to impress the Lord with our flesh? I can, I can will what is right, but I cannot perform it. I can will what is right, but I cannot perform it. I have the intention and the urge to do what is right, but no power to carry it out. Isn't that something? Uh, what verse was that? Oh, 18. Okay. Uh, in, in 19, in the, in the King James, he said, for the good that I would, that I would do, do is implied, for the good that I would do, I do not, but the evil which I would not do, that's what I end up doing. That's what he's saying. Now, if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I, then, I, I, um, I find then a law that when I would be good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Then he goes to this, verse 24, O wretched man that I am, notice he doesn't say what program shall deliver me, what steps, you know, what what um, teaching, but who? I love this. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this, the body of this death? So he's calling life under the will of the flesh, death, but life in Christ, which he's going to get to in a minute, is, um, is life, is eternal life and abundant life. Amen. Just helping you, just trying to identify who you are. And uh, when 
guilt and shame or condemnation tries to come against you for anything, you need to stand up to it and say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I do not receive this condemnation. Some people say, well, that's just the conviction of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does not convict you to condemnation. If he convicts you, it's to righteousness. Amen. To remind you. You know, when if you look over there in uh, the letters to the Corinthian church, Paul said, it is commonly reported. Now think about those words. Not just a one incident or something. He said, it's commonly reported that there is fornication in this church. And he said, uh, he didn't say, you're all going to hell. (laughs) And you need to get down here in the altar and use up the allotment of Kleenex for that month. No. He said, know you not, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He reminds them who they are. He tells them, you should not, would you join a harlot with Christ? Well, probably almost every one of them would have said, well, absolutely not. You know, if Jesus was here, would you, would you sell him a prostitute, basically, for a couple of hours? No. Absolutely not. But he said, that's what you're doing. You're, by you being a member of the body of Christ, you're, you're adjoining yourself to something that's not right, not holy, not pure, not God's will. And therefore, you have forgotten who you are. And so, Paul then went on to teach them, again, all the letters that he wrote to the Corinthian church, again, is full of this kind of teaching. Uh, it is the revelation of Christ and his finished work. Amen. So he's preaching that to them. And, uh, instead of, instead of, uh, you know, bringing up their names and having a vote and turning them out, they were going to turn my grandmother out of the church in, uh, in, uh, back in the thirties and, uh, for w- drinking a Coca Cola and wearing silk stockings. Apparently, God only likes cotton ones. And uh, she was upset about it. And my grandfather, who didn't attend church, um, but respected her right to go, he went to the pastor, to the parsonage, and knocked on the door. It was across the street from the church. He says, I understand you're going to turn my wife out of the church. Yeah, Sunday night we're having a... Bringing her up before, you know, the congregation were going to kick her out for the sin of Coca-Cola and wearing silk stockings. Well, he said, well, go ahead, do what you're going to do. But he said, you know, he said, she's not happy. And when I, she's not happy, I'm not happy. And he said, uh, I don't care anything about this church. But he said, if you do this thing and turn her out, I'm coming over here and I'm going to whip your. And then he named his, the man's backside with a uh, word that rhymes with donkey. And uh, he said, I'm going to uh, whip that all over town. And he said, there's no lawyer and there's no police and there's no doctor that will be able to help you. Well, uh, for some reason, it miraculously disappeared out of the agenda and they never brought it up again. And uh, she continued to drink Coca-Cola and wear silk stockings. Praise God. I suppose she had to answer for that to the Lord when she showed up. 
Now, this part here just blesses me because he says, Oh, wretched man that I am. I'm so wretched. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Notice he again, he says who, not what. There's not a what. There's not a program. There's not a list of do's and don'ts and all that. You can follow those to the letter like Paul did and still not be righteous. Amen. Now, as far as God's concerned, he's done the work for you to be righteous. But you, for you to experience the life in Christ and to experience the blessing of the Lord, you have to see this and acknowledge it in yourself. And I'll tell you, it's a fight. If you've had any religious input into yourself, you're going to have to to fight that tendency off. We all have a tendency to try to impress God. <laughs> it's, a mer- it's just merit. It's work ethic, merit ethic. Uh, it works for us, at, uh, you know, at the at the job, but not, it does not work in the terms of spiritual things. Amen. We have to accept by faith that Christ has done this work for us. Hallelujah. And walk in it. And if we do, we're very powerful. This is why the devil fights it so hard. Um, so, uh, what do you become if you try, if you keep doing the, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this thing. <laughs> Merit system, you become what? Oh, wretched man. Well, let's, let's have the old wretched man sign up sheet. Who wants to be on that? <laughs> Not me. How about you? I want to be the victorious man. I want to be the man with joy and peace and health and victory. So, uh, he said, uh, and keep reading here and we'll get to the, the, the shouting verse. I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Uh, there is therefore, now again, in, in grammar, uh, and I love the English language, actually, and I love, I love uh, how things are written here and the context in which they're written. Because a lot of people like to start a sermon off with Romans 8.1. The problem with it is, it's it's you don't know what's come before it because of the word therefore. So if the word therefore is there, you have to know what it's there for. <laughs> Amen. Uh, it's, a sum, it's a summary of, it's summing up or adding to, it's, it's coming to a conclusion of what has been explained prior. This and that has happened, therefore we must make this decision or whatever. You understand? And, uh, so you can't just read, we read scripture like it's some kind of a, uh, disengaged bunch of words, but it's, I think it's important to know what's come before it and what's coming after it. So this 8-1 is such an important scripture because, he, again, he has just explained this life under the flesh and life under the law. And now he's saying that he's been delivered from that state of affairs 
by Jesus Christ. And now we have what is the conclusion. Now you know, don't turn there, but you know, well we might turn there. But you know that one of my favorite scriptures is Ephesians 3.20 in the Amplified. And it says uh, that there were consequences. There's consequences to uh, the finished work of Christ. And those consequences are all wonderful. That he's able to do abundantly, exceedingly, super abundantly, exceedingly above all that we would ask or think. Amen? Consequences. So the consequences of Jesus coming into Paul's life and changing him are this. Therefore, I'd like to put it, put it, just change it around a little bit. Therefore, in conclusion, we could say, or in, in the consequence of Jesus coming, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Now, the words in the King James Bible, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit, were added by the, by the translators. And, um, that's an interesting verse because in our, in our precious word of faith movement, which we are word of faith, but this started getting preached about, uh, walking after the flesh that Paul meant walk, like walking after fleshly desires, like, uh, you, you know, something immoral, uh, you, you know, whatever your flesh was reaching out for. But that's not what Paul means when he's talking about the flesh. Now, sure, certainly we want to reject that, but he's not talking about that. When he's talking about after the flesh, he's meaning walking after trying to, trying to prove righteousness by the flesh instead of by the spirit. That's what he means. This is not talking about drinking, smoking, and dancing, okay, <laughs> or whatever you would call, you know, something wrong. He's not talking about that, even though those things, you know, you know, each person has to decide. But uh, but what he's talking about is life after the flesh as a means to Christ, as a means to righteousness or life after faith in Christ and grace as a meaning to righteousness. Amen? Y'all getting anything out of this at all? So what does it, what kind of a thing, you know, he says this, you know, he keeps talking about this, this comparison, uh, the, the, the law of sin and, and, um, in the flesh and, and, and righteousness in the spirit. Um, He's going to tell you who who does he mean when he says what does it mean to be in the spirit? Because man, I got I'm telling you I'm sorry I just, I got taught by people that I love a, a, sort of a wrong angle on this on these verses that it was talking about sin. He's talking about flesh. He's not talking about sin. He's talking about the desire to be righteous by our own merit and our own works. But here Paul says in verse 9, see we're going to jump to verse 9, okay, to save time. But you are not in the flesh, 
but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. In other words, if you're born again, and you have accepted the grace of God for salvation, you are not in the flesh. You're, in, you're living in the Spirit. This has nothing to do with rejecting certain things that aren't good. <laughs> we do, we, of course you need to reject them. I'm telling you there's consequences for rowdy behavior. Right? And, uh, People that claim that they're living in grace and living like the devil, they're not living in God's grace. I don't know what they're living in. They're living in deception or something. Because the Bible says that God's grace will lead you to righteousness and works of righteousness. Amen. So if what you believe in is leading you to be a whoremonger, <laughs> you're, you're, I don't know what you're in. You understand? All right? So, but he says we're not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so, be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is alive or has life or is life because of righteousness. Praise God. So then, continued on. If the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, say that means me, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by, or make alive your, your mortal body by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Now in that right there is salvation, healing, provision, prosperity, blessing, all the goodness of God is in that verse right there. Because salvation is an all-inclusive word. It's not just forgiveness of sins. It's dealt with the sin, but it's also dealt with the sickness, disease, poverty, lack, failure, depression, oppression. All that has been dealt with in the finished work of Jesus. Amen? Praise God. That's who we are. That's what we have. Glory to God. Let's just walk in that. Amen. So, you know, you get the grace people all up in arms over the faith people and the faith people up in arms over the grace people. But we need it all. Amen. What we don't need is more admonition to do better and try harder. We don't, because sometimes the more you do that, the further away from it you get. It's reliance on Christ. It's where we can wake up in the morning and say, thank God, I'm a child of God. I'm an heir of God, a joint heir with Jesus Christ. I'm a partaker of the divine nature. I'm not a partaker of the flesh nature. I'm not a partaker of what the devil has. I'm not a partaker of what the world has. I'm a partaker of what God has and what he is. That's who I am. That's what I have. Amen. Ruby will know. David Ingalls wrote a song about that. That's what I have. It's a, you know, uh, one song that David Ingalls wrote, I thought about this when the, Back in the Grace Wars a few years ago uh, in Tulsa, hallelujah, uh, I thought of, thought of one of David Engel's songs. You know, he said, uh, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ, a new creature in him. I'm a partaker. These are the words of the song. I'm a partaker of his divine nature. In me, he will not impute sin. 
So we sang that, and that was fine. We started preaching a little of it and got ran out of town. But anyway, it's all true. <laughs> Amen. We are a partaker of his divine nature. We have overcome. You think, I don't know, I'm really tempted by this one thing, and I don't know. Well, praise God, you do know. Hallelujah. You can say, that's not me. That's not, that's not who I am in God that's being tempted. That's, that's the sin or flesh nature. But praise God, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Greater is he that's in me than the flesh or pleasing the flesh is. And so I'm a, I, I, Jesus overcame to say, well, the, this world is hard. Oh, what do I, I mean, I hear preachers preaching this stuff, you know, oh, we're in such a horrible time and, oh, you know, it's like, okay, buddy, well, what is that? What, what we got any hope at all? Or are we just going to order the, order the, what is it? Survival food, the survival food preacher. God bless him, you know, but you know, Survival food kit, you bury it in your, I guess, lead-filled room so when the radiation comes, you're saved and you can eat these beans or something. But that's not a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle. That's not who Christ made us to be. We, Jesus is the light of the world. Amen. Amen. Yeah, the world's always been dark. We watch uh, documentary-type films sometimes at home and you, you, if you've ever seen the the carnage and things that happened during World War II, my gosh, you know, I mean, the 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 government in Germany in the 30s, they killed so many Jews, especially that they had them piled up like uh, and 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 buried them with um, what do you call it a, a like a like a piece of equipment, I can't think of a tractor with the plow on the front, you know, like a, yeah, a bulldozer. That's, that's right. They absolutely bulldozed bodies into, into graves. Uh, and so, you know, I can't imagine, I mean, some of you lived through that and saw that and understood that. And you, that was pretty dark. People say, well, I don't think Christians are all saying, I don't think things ever been this bad. It's like, oh, well, let me show you a documentary of how bad it has been. And, uh, and, and, um, all the, the, the killing fields of Cambodia and those things. I'm telling you, the world has always been dark and always will be. Cause Satan's God of this world and he's in, he's influencing everybody. But Jesus is the light of the world. Amen. And the church is supposed to be the salt preserving what's here. So, glory to God. I can't shut up. Sorry. Let's pray. Uh, if you're here in the sanctuary and you want prayer, amen, you just join in in this prayer. Uh, we're going to pray for those who are watching by internet uh, and we can all receive from the same, same prayer, same faith. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we just thank you for your love, your mercy, your grace, your goodness, your righteousness. We thank you for who you've made us to be, what you've done for us, and what you're doing for us. In the name of Jesus, we take authority over all demonic forces. We take authority over sickness, disease, lack, and failure in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for touching those that are watching by Internet, especially in those here also in the sanctuary. 
Lord, we thank you for your healing power. I command blind eyes to open, deaf ears to unstop, lame legs to walk, cancers and tumors and growths to disappear, die and, 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 uh, and, and dry up in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, Father, I thank you for health and healing from the top of their heads to the soles of their feet. In Jesus' name, be healed today, be delivered, be set free. Those who are struggling with mental health issues and darkness and depression in their mind, in the name of Jesus, be free, be set free from that in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, that you remind people who they are in Christ, what they have, what Christ has done for them in Jesus' name. We give you all the glory, honor, and praise. Lord, those that have financial and material needs, we thank you for showing yourself strong in their lives this week. Uh, we thank you for bonuses and raises and, and the promotions and opportunities in Jesus' name. We give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Go in peace and have a great Sunday afternoon, and God bless you. We'll see you Wednesday night. All right. Amen.